Hello and welcome to Across the River, a podcast that weaves together death and dying, tarot, and witchcraft. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Sarah. We are not experts of any kind, simply two witches who like to think and talk about death, dying, and divination. We invite you to journey with us across the river. We are recording across the river in Toronto, Ontario, also known as Tecoronto. The land that holds this city is and has been for millennia a home to many diverse First Nations and Indigenous, Inuit, and Métis peoples, including the Mississaugas of the Credit, the Anishinaabe, the Chippewa, the Haudenosaunee, and the Wendat peoples. The land teaches us about the cycles of birth, death, decay, and rebirth. We're grateful for the opportunity to live in and learn from this land. Hi listeners, it's Rebecca here with a content note about this month's episode. This month we are talking about pregnancy loss, miscarriage, and the grief connected with those experiences. We are working with this topic for the whole episode, so if that's not something that you want to engage with right now, we hope you'll join us instead at the next Dark Moon. If this is something that you have been impacted by in your life and you'd like to reach out to some supports, there's a few options available to you. First off, if you're in Ontario, um, you can reach out to the wonderful folks at the PALE Network. That's the Pregnancy and Infant Loss Network. They run out of Sunnybrook Hospital here in Takaranto. And you can connect with them at palenetwork.sunnybrook.ca. That's P-A-I-L Network dot Sunnybrook, S-U-N-N-Y-B-R-O-O-K dot C-A. They can connect you with some support groups and with peer-to-peer support so that you can chat and connect with someone who may have experienced something similar to you. If you're not in Ontario, you can reach out to Postpartum Support International, and you can find them at postpartum.net. They also have many different kinds of support groups available for anyone who may have experienced a loss of this kind. If you really want to chat with someone quickly, you can also call their hotline. They are at 1-800-944-4773. So if this is an experience that you've been impacted by, we hope that you are supported and that you're taking care of yourself and you have folks to take care of you. And thanks for being with us on this episode. Hey, friend. Hi, friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I am really excited that we're going to be talking about grief on Friday the 13th. Yes. Um, We didn't plan to talk about grief on Friday the 13th, but this is the day that we had available. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's kind of worth noting maybe that it, we are actually recording on the dark moon. We are. We are. We're uh, recording a little bit late uh, this time around, so apologies that this will come out a little bit after the dark moon, probably not too much. But um, yeah, it's a dark moon. It's Friday the 13th. Death energy feels very present right there's now. There's a solar eclipse tomorrow. Oh, yes! We won't get the full one, but there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of space weather happening, as <laughs> um, as another podcast I listen to says. I love that. Space yeah, weather. space weather. <laughs> <sighs> yes, so none of this was planned, but um, we really thought it was time to circle back to grief mm-hmm. and talk about it maybe a little more broadly than we had the last time, which was our solstice episode, I believe. Yes. Where we were talking about grief that is cyclical and I think grief that really came down to just the changing of our lives and the grief that that can bring up Um, but as we're recording this I am personally moving through some pretty deep griefs of 
of my own right now. Um, I will talk about that probably a little bit later, but I think, yeah, it just felt like it was time to come back to this topic and see what more there is to explore because I think we could do an entire podcast about grief on its own. Yeah. And I think that podcast probably exists, you know, I oh, bet there yes. is, a, I bet there are podcasts specifically dealing only with that, but I, I agree. It, it sort of felt like it would be strange to talk about anything else right now. Mm-hmm. It did. It definitely did. I think what I'm moving through, um, feels like it's taking up all the room for me right now. Mm-hmm that there isn't much room at the moment for anything that isn't grieving and processing and healing. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, this is what it felt right to talk about. Yeah. Do you want to share right now just like the broad strokes of what has been happening for you? Do you want to wait till a little later? No, I think it's a good place to yeah. open up the okay. conversation. Sure. Um, but thank you for checking in. (laughs) I, uh, at the beginning of September had a miscarriage and about three weeks later, my hospice client who I had been visiting for over a year, um, died Mm -hmm. and it was a lot. (laughs) It is a lot. And this time has also felt incredibly sacred to me. Um, And I'm not saying that to say it also hasn't been some of the deepest despair and anguish that I have ever moved through. And it's been a very sacred time. It's been a very transformative time. It's been a time where I am rediscovering myself in a new way and I think that yeah I don't even know where we want to like pick the first thread to go down here but I am probably probably I am not the only person going through this right now I mean not my exact grief but There are many, many, maybe even you listeners right now who are moving through something acute as well. Or you're moving through something older. And yeah, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, One of the things that I've thought about going into today's podcast is that this is our first one where one of us is actually in grief as we're recording. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a different place to be coming from. You know, we've spoken about grief. We obviously have both been in grief in the past, but this is the first time that one of us is there. And in a way, it's a little bit like um, we're kind of in slightly different worlds. I I think maybe that's part of what I was getting to with the sacred space that I'm in right now. I feel deeply connected to this world at the moment and not of it in another kind of way. And I think one of the things that I'd like to speak to today is the loneliness of grief. And the universality of it. Um, Even if you have managed to live your life so far without losing any, let's say, people that you care about deeply, you've probably lost an acquaintance at the very least, and that can bring up grief. Mm -hmm. And you've probably lost other things as well. Other things that just through life circumstances, changes, moves, um, whether uh, chosen or not. Um, 
I guess I don't need to say all of the things that someone <laughs> might be grieving through, but it is incredibly lonely. And in the depths of despair, I have been reminded that I have been here before and that so has every other being in creation. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so true. Um, one of the things that I wanted to ask you, if it's okay, and you know, if I ask you something that you don't feel like talking about on the pod, I know you'll say so. Um, I hesitate to use the word prepared because I were probably never prepared for something like this. Mm-hmm. Do you, maybe what I want to say instead is equipped. Do you feel like being a witch equipped you to move through this experience in a certain way? Very much so. Yeah. Um, the work I have done to be in liminality, the work I have done to connect with my ancestors, the work I have done to connect with all sorts of different um, energies not of this physical reality has created a container for myself that has been one of the lifelines that has kept me whole through all of this. And I think that everyone in their own way finds how to create those kinds of containers for themselves and I have been really reflecting on the fact that we also need containers from outside of ourselves. It has been incredibly important to me and I know that I would not have done as much processing as I have already and as much healing as I have already without having community and my community is my friends and family mm-hmm. um, at this time anyway <laughs> um, without having outside people to hold me when I cannot hold myself or to hold what I cannot hold or to help me keep moving when I'm not able to and that comes back to being a witch as well because Mm -hmm. when you work as much as you do to create connection which is I think at the core of a healthy spiritual practice um, I think you cannot help but strengthen other forms of connection as well more tangible forms of connection and I think that we need I've been reflecting on that there's really this balance of the healing that we do for ourselves because I do think that we are the only ones who can heal ourselves and we cannot do it alone I think I feel the same way that like so much of being a witch is about cultivating connection. Um, but you're so right, like not just being a witch, like having any kind of spiritual life. Mm-hmm. And I love what you said about that strengthening the muscle in a way for other kinds of connection. Mm-hmm. If I'm hearing you right. Um, yeah, I think through my witch practice, it really does feel like I strengthened. I think we've both said this, maybe not on the podcast, but we do it in the times where it's easy so that we can do it in the times where it's hard. And 
And I will admit, sometimes, like, right after it happened, I could not touch my tarot deck. I knew. I knew that that was just not the place that I was in right now. Um, Immediately after it happened, too, I had a sense um, of the spirit that I had miscarried. And I was not ready to... I, I knew that that was a thing that was out there. For me, that was how that felt anyway. Um, but um, but I was not ready to engage with that in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, and it's been... <laughs> it's I've discovered an inner strength in myself that I think I knew was there. But now I have proof and that feels really amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, sorry, I'm like pausing for a long time here in this conversation because um, at this particular juncture, like you're going through something that I have not specifically experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I feel really inclined to like ask you questions about that experience Mm -hmm. um and I feel disinclined to like spout off about it in any way (laughs) because I don't know what I'm talking about um well we've always wanted to do an interview so maybe we're practicing (laughs) maybe we're practicing yeah exactly I'll interview you and then we can interview a guest later (laughs) um but I, there's a couple of threads that, that I, I would love to pick up on. I mm-hmm. feel like we have on the podcast talked about that idea of doing the work when it's easy so that you have it when it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, the phrase I, I've heard for that is witch your way through it. Oh, I like that. Um, it's not mine. It's from a, a witch YouTuber who I'm so sorry I can't remember her name right now. If I can find her, I'll, uh, I'll find a link to that and, and we can link to it. But... Um, yeah, that was basically the the gist of her of her this particular video of hers that I watched that was like you have to do the work because then when the shit hits the fan mm-hmm. you will have built the strengths that you need to move through the really hard stuff. Mm-hmm. And I I've thought about that a lot since watching it and and there have been times when it has felt like it's been tested um but I'm aware that it hasn't been put to the test in the way that you are experiencing right now. And so maybe I wanted to ask you about, like in what ways was it hard to do that? Or did you ever at any point feel like a lack of connection with your with your witch self through this? Mm-hmm. Or did you feel like the witch was like, here I am, I'm ready. You like grew me for this, here we go. Uh, that's such an interesting question. Um, absolutely. I felt disconnected. Yeah, absolutely. I felt like I was making everything up. Um, and that even if I wasn't, what use was it to me Mm. now? Because even though I don't believe that we wish to prevent life from happening, Um, but there is that anger, that sense of, I think, I think maybe actually the way I want to say this is I never felt disconnected. I felt betrayed. Mm, Okay. Um, I felt like one that I had been guided down this road to become a parent, um, not guided as in like someone told me to and I did it, but guided as in I felt a calling towards it. And it seemed to me that whatever is out there that communicates with us said, yes, that is what you are meant to do. Yeah. Um, and now that I have a little distance on that, this doesn't mean that I won't still become a mother. Um, we're going to keep trying. But, but yes, uh, the sense of betrayal I think was what led to the deepest despair Mm. and when I was able to fully touch in with that despair that's when the witch started talking to me again Mm. 
that's when she whispered in my ear to lie down as long as I needed to and then to get up again. I'm thinking about like what form that, like I bet, I bet a lot of people who have gone through this have something like that in them, whether it's a witch or no, or just however they experience it. Mm-hmm. Hearing you talking about this, it feels to me like you know yourself and understand things about yourself that you would not currently know or understand had you not been through this experience. I think that's a fair thing to say. It's something I've considered. It's been an interesting holding of some things that are hard to hold together because I am starting to grasp around the edges of making meaning from this experience. And I think we need to do that eventually Mm -hmm. when it's time. And I wrote a poem about this actually. It made me more angry that it felt like I was growing from this experience. It... I don't know exactly how to explain it, but it felt like the thing I really wanted was taken away, and here's your consolation prize. (laughs) (laughs) And it didn't feel worth it. (laughs) Yeah, I hear that. Like, you're like... Like it almost, even as I was asking you that question, I was like, is this saccharine bullshit? Where I'm like, now I want her to tell me about the meaning that came from this terrible, fucking awful thing that happened. We're going to have to put an explicit warning on this. I keep swearing. (laughs) Do it. I don't know. I feel like if there's ever one to swear, it's this one. I think so. Like, you know, and you and I have have spoken about this before podcasting about it, obviously. Mm Mm-hmm. When I heard what was going on, I don't know, I was angry for you too. I was like, this is, this is bullshit. Like, even, you know, even from obviously like the, the remove and the distance, I'm, I'm hearing you talk about it and I've, I've seen, I've seen some aspects of you going through it, but like, it, it just seemed enormously and massively unfair. Yeah. Yeah. Unfair is the word for it and I'm still trying to reconcile that part of it and I probably always will be Um, but what I'm starting to realize is that we just can't expect fair (laughs) and oh my God, this is getting into a whole existential thing where I am seriously questioning right now and trying to figure out how to deal with the fact that I still do believe in something benevolent and that this is not even the worst thing any person has been through, if that makes sense. I'm not saying what I've been through isn't awful and valid. Um, I am saying that every single person on this planet has experienced something that has devastated them. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. I know you're not like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not, I'm like not rank, ranking, you're not doing like a tragedy ranking. No, I gosh, fully gosh. get you, but mm-hmm. like, but yeah, like you've experienced something that's shattering. Mm-hmm. I have, and so has everyone else. And think that's just the bargain we made and it doesn't seem fair because it feels like that bargain was made before we were born and we didn't ask for it and we don't remember agreeing to it (laughs) (laughs) and as we know consent is continual and enthusiastic and I (laughs) do not continue to enthusiastically consent to this life thank you (laughs) 
percent revoked. <laughs> Boy, this is some black humor. <laughs> I've been finding a lot of that recently. Yeah, really. Too. I mean, uh, like. I don't know. Do you think you're grappling with the single biggest kind of existential question that people have? Like any, in any spiritual path or tradition, like why the fuck does bad shit happen to good people? Yeah. Yeah, I really am. And I really, really dislike that I know that I'm never going to get the answer to it in this life. And that no one else is going to either and be able to tell me. So... Yeah. yeah. Like, it's hard to imagine that there would ever be a point at which you would be like, now I understand why that happened. Mm-hmm. We never do. And I think there is something that our soul asks us to do, which is to find a kind of peace with it anyway. But I think something I've experienced especially right at the beginning when I was so distraught and so angry and despairing and people were trying to say the right thing trying to help me to find that meaning and I don't think that anyone can do it for you and I think it's harmful to do it to someone before they're ready to hear it mm-hmm And they may never be ready to hear it. I wrote a very angry poem (laughs) that is titled, uh, (laughs) At least your friend gave you a goose feather. And I just want to say right here, this is something we learned in our hospice training. I think it was something I already knew. And it's one thing I can very much confirm now. Do not ever say at least to anybody. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a great rule of thumb. Like if, if the sentence you're about to utter starts with at least, mm-hmm. don't say it. Don't say it. Keep it to yourself. Would you be willing to say more about like what, if anything was helpful, or at least what was like neutral or like, because mm-hmm. um, I bet someone listening has been in a position of like wanting to support someone who is grieving and has has had no idea what to say or might be in that situation. I absolutely have been. Mm -hmm. I've gotten it very wrong on occasions. Mm -hmm. And and it's, I don't mean that to to be judgy. I think everyone has gotten it wrong on occasions because it's so, the person you're with is in an altered reality where Mm -hmm. they have been unwillingly thrust into, as we just said, the biggest existential questions a human being can face. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know, I, would you, would you mind talking about maybe what helped, if anything helped, or at least what didn't harm? Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to talk about that because I have had people show up for me in really wonderful ways. So the first thing that helped was just the reassurance that people gave me that they would be there for me and that I wasn't asking too much of them. Because when you're in that place, I think in a, when we're in a lot of different places, actually, we fear that we will be too much. So having that, having people tell me and tell me again if I needed to hear it again, that it was okay to ask for help, it was okay to keep calling, or to want to go for like 20 walks in a week or whatever it was. We didn't go for 20 walks in a week, but, um, but yeah, just that offer of support and not just the offer of support, but the off, like the reassurance that it was given happily, um, and with love was really important to me. Holding space was really important to me. And what that looked like was not saying at least or trying to impart some wisdom on me. Um, and I know where that was coming from. And I am, I, I like, I know and I, I get it. Um, because we all have been some through something like this. And we have gained wisdom from it. And it feels like if I can just share it with this person, they'll understand and they won't feel so bad anymore. Yeah. 
And that's just not how it works, unfortunately. So what holding space well can look like is just acknowledgement. Um, it's just, I'm so sorry what you're going through. You don't have to make it bigger than that because there are no words. I don't know if, I think there are maybe words that can ease the pain. There are no words that are gonna take it away. And the words that ease the pain were just, I see you. I see what you're in right now and I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think we aren't taught I'll get big again. We really aren't taught how to do this. And so we fumble around in the dark and we get so worried about saying the right thing because we don't, we just don't have any, no one's taught us what the right thing is. And I think that's where some of like that, that wanting to help, that wanting to say the right thing, that's where some of the worst things that come out of people's mouths (laughs) comes from. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I think those were the those were the really big things. Um resources. People bringing food. Um uh like I've been and I don't love it, but I've been really relying on my husband to kind of take care of the more mundane side of things right now because I am literally all I can do is try and take care of my spirit. Mm-hmm. Um and I don't have space for a lot more than that. So, yeah, practical support can be really helpful. Um, It's good to check in with someone, I think, about what is useful or not useful to them. Because I think some people are completely, like me, are completely destroyed in terms of, um, yeah, just not being able to do any of the normal care things that need to get done. And some people actually um, benefit from having stuff to do. So I think, I think just asking, um, and I know it can be overwhelming when people ask what you need and you don't know yourself, but that might be where like, would it be helpful for me to do this? Would Mm -hmm. it be helpful for me to do that? Can really come in. Yeah. I think that's also helpful. And like that might, that might really appreciably help someone who is on either side of this right now mm-hmm. like I know for I know for me if I do you mind if I like oh please like just from from this side of things um it's really hard to see someone you care about in pain mm-hmm. and I felt that impulse in myself I could feel like words trying to rise up and like come out of my mouth especially maybe at the beginning Mm -hmm. um, because it was so awful and I really just wanted to say something that would make you feel better Mm -hmm. and um, I knew logically that there was nothing like that that I actually could say Um, and there was a part of me that was like remember your training. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I'm sorry I'm making light. I, no, I that's all right. But like, no, please do. I, I don't know. I, I think it's worth sort of thinking about it because like you and I are both sort of death workers and we've had some training in this area. Um, but that impulse to just be like, you know, there's all kinds of stuff that you find yourself wanting to say. Like, I don't know. Like I, I could feel all of those things within me. Mm-hmm. something to to try and like find some sort of ghastly silver lining to to pull out of this situation or like mm-hmm. um you know some sort of thing that's hopeful for the future or all of those things were just kind of in there and um and probably some of them escaped from time to time which if so I I apologize now but like you were wonderful um you have been wonderful well I guess I think you're making a good point that like this is not something that we train people for. Um, it's not quite the wording that I want. You're, you were right. How did you say it? We don't learn how to do this or we're not taught how to do this? I think I might have said both. Yeah, I think maybe maybe it's not taught is the more important thing to say. It's making me sort of think that <laughs> ideally we would all have some kind of opportunity to learn about navigating grief and bereavement before it happens to us and to learn about 
navigating it alongside the people we love who are going through it. And I think until we're in a place where we can actually talk about death as a culture, Mm -hmm. we won't be able to do this. Yeah. Our separation from death, I believe, has led to our separation from grief. And, I mean, they are intertwined. There is no way to separate them. And if we are actively doing everything we can to deny that one exists, then we are not going to understand how the other functions, what is useful and not useful, what holding space even looks like. And I think one thing that, um, so I pulled a card, I pulled a couple of cards today, and one of the cards that I pulled was the Hierophant. And it kind of spoke to me about the necessary collective containers that we need to grieve well. That we don't grieve alone. We we cannot grieve alone. It is our own experience and it is for us to move through. But... I think we've talked about stuff like this before. This separation from death is relatively new and I believe that there is deep ancestral wisdom around how to grieve ourselves and how to help others grieve. That we have forgotten and that I think maybe we're starting to figure out how to remember it. You and I working in death care, we've been around a different kind of languaging for death and grief uh, and all of the hugeness that comes with it. And one thing that I realized for myself was that I recently finished training as a death doula. And I thought when I was going into all all of this death work that what I really wanted to get close to was death and mortality. And sorry, I think I might be going on a little bit of a tangent here, but tangent away. Um, I think I wanted to get close to death so I could, I'm using air quotes here, understand it. Uh-huh. And therefore find some peace with it or ease the acute pain of when it does happen. Yeah. Or like air quotes, accept it. Accept it. There we go. That's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I realized that what I wanted to get close to was grief Hmm. because there is no understanding death and I don't know if there's any accepting it, but We, I think what we're asked to do in this life is to respond to what we're given. And grief is the appropriate response. And it's not an all bad one either. It's painful and debilitating and isolating and lonely. And I'm not the first person to say this. I can't, I think I've seen it like kind of used as a general sort of metaphor um, in a few different places. But there's this thing that happens where you're, when you've just been sobbing your heart out and like you look around you when you're finished and the world, it's like all of your tears have washed that world clean as well. And you just see it in this way that is achingly beautiful. And you appreciate what you have so much more. And it's a, it's a sacred time. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I, I don't want to toxic positivity it. Um, it's, I wish no one had to go through it. I really do, yeah. but... I've never been more creative 
in this period mm. of my life mm -hmm. than I have before, for instance. I have literally been writing at least a poem a day for the last, I think, three and a half weeks now. Yeah. Um, and well, as I've been reaching out to friends to help me hold what I'm going through, I've had some beautiful conversations. I've made connections that I had never made before. I am now connected to the spirit that I lost. Um, actually, do you mind if I share that story? If you are willing to share that story, I would love to hear that story. Okay. Um, so, the conception, I believe, I'm pretty certain, was either on the new moon in Leo or the day after. Okay. Or it was at least very close to it. And a few weekends ago, you and I went out to a Pagan Pride uh, festival together. We unfortunately didn't get to see, we, we got there a little bit late, so I didn't get to see everything I wanted to. But uh, as we were walking around the stalls, you found the most beautiful <laughs> smoky quartz crystal ball that I have ever seen. Yes, I'm not going to dispute that. It is without question the most beautiful smoky quartz crystal ball. I think that exists. I think that exists. I don't think that's an exaggeration. Anyway, no. yes, this <laughs> happened. Um, I fell in love. You did. You did. And I fell in love for you. I was like, yes, get that ball. <laughs> and towards the end of the day, you pulled it out again to show it to me. And something glistened. And it kind of caught my eye. And I asked you if I could read with your ball. And you said yes, which I am greatly uh, appreciative of. And in that ball was a lion. Mm -hmm. And I was almost taken out at the knees. Uh, in the car ride, um, leaving there with my husband, I, I was sobbing. Mm -hmm. And I knew I didn't know what the message was, but I knew that that spirit was reaching out to me. And later that day, it was the autumn equinox actually, uh, later that after, after the Pride Festival, um, my plan had been to go visit my grandparents because that is something I do on the autumn equinox, uh, their graves I mean. And I went there. Uh, and ran into my brother randomly at my parents' house, so he ended up coming too, which was really beautiful. And I asked my grandparents to look after that little spirit. Mm -hmm. And then that night, I decided to draw some cards, and I asked for a message from my grandmother, and I pulled the Queen of Wands. And in this particular deck, which was a new one to me, she, or they, sorry, are sitting on a throne in the middle of a lush green field holding the biggest sunflower you've ever seen. And there was a lion at their feet. Mm. And I knew. It's funny. Um, I don't think my skeptical brain even made a peep on this one. I yeah. just knew that my grandmother had answered my prayer. Mm -hmm. It's such a powerful story. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I think, I think it won't resonate for everybody, but that's okay. Um, it was an experience that brought some light back in. Yeah. It's kind of making me think about, I think when we did our intuition in death care episode, we talked a little bit about being with someone who's dying, who is experiencing um, non-material reality in a different way than, mm -hmm. than those of us who are not currently actively dying experience. And, um, it makes me think that there's maybe something to that in grief as well, that, that you're a little bit more in that in-between place. And I mean, I was present for a portion of that story. Um, I was holding the ball when you saw the lion in it. And what I remember, I, I'm not saying this to correct you, I'm just, I'm bringing it in because I wonder if it's part of the story too, is like, 
um, I think I remember you asked to see the ball and then almost immediately you said, oh, it's a lion. And then you went, it's a lion. Like you, you saw the lion and then you realized what the lion was. It was like it had jumped out of the, of the crystal to you. I, in my, in my memory, it's like within a second of, of the ball being visible to you that there was that lion there. Um, and it was quite extraordinary and I kind of went, oh, well, I'm, <laughs> if, if this is the only reading that ever happens with this crystal ball, it will have been <laughs> worth it to like, um, to offer that moment of connection. But then the really uncanny moment is when that was affirmed in your reading. Whew. Yeah. And I find myself really kind of wanting to lean into that uncanniness Mm -hmm. as okay maybe here's where I'm going with this if someone were you know kind of tended towards skepticism or just not viewing the universe through a kind of spiritual lens in that way Mm -hmm. and they were with someone who was experiencing grief and maybe had an experience like that Mm -hmm. there's maybe a temptation to interpret that as well, it's lucky that, that those coincidences lined up and I hope it brings her some comfort or something like that. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean, yeah. And it's not like ill-intentioned or like, oh, you know, you didn't really see a lion. Like, they don't mean it like that. I think mm-hmm. they. I think there's a way of viewing that where it's like, well, the human brain's a pretty powerful thing, you know? I think if we see things that bring us comfort, well, then, you know, that's, that's all well and good. Mm-hmm. Um, but it misses... That's not what you that's not what you're describing to me that you experienced. No. You had a had a moment of communion with kind of a great beyond. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind of thing that's potentially sort of paradigm altering, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and if if we're lucky, we get a few of those. If we're very lucky. If we're very lucky, we get a few of those. Um and they they are often at times of enormous upheaval and and sorrow and loss and and I think it's rare that we experience a kind of cosmology altering mm-hmm. event when things are going great. Yes, and I guess part of what I'm trying to like get under the surface of here is like I hesitate to use this phrasing it may be one of the gifts of grief to allow us contact with the with the the great below or the 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 big whatever it is um Mm -hmm. and that if someone who's grieving close to you has one Mm -hmm. um for them it is that yes it is and I want to pick up what you were saying about the gifts of grief because while I don't want to invalidate anyone's experience of how awful it can be, there are gifts. And I'm thinking right now about how after the tower card, which is the cataclysmic event that levels everything to the ground, comes the star yep which is a card of hope and a card of healing and a card of connection i think it's in that order for a reason and that it may be that that's because that's maybe sort of one of the archetypal stories of being a person is to go through tremendous trial that eventually does dawn to a a possibility of hope Mm mm-hmm I don't I think I think we're being very careful not to like sugarcoat or minimize things. I think I, we're doing a good job. I think job we're of doing that. okay. I think yeah. it's pretty clear that that's our intent. Mm-hmm. But it is it is a legitimate part of your experience also mm-hmm. that there have been some gifts in this mm-hmm. in this in this tragic experience. There have been there have been and whether that is a comfort to me kind of comes and goes yeah I bet um sometimes it really is and sometimes it is infuriating but I think it's true yeah I think it's true too
I wonder if maybe that's where we're meant to wrap this up. Maybe that's a a good place to pause this one. Mm-hmm. I bet we're going to come back to aspects of this conversation too because um, it's not like we're going to be finished with this by next month. Oh gosh, no, I will never be finished with this. I think you're absolutely right yeah. that this is going to be a continued conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Rebecca, for holding space for me today thank you for for sharing so much of this um whew, i want to use the phrase a holy experience is that how does that feel okay if it, it doesn't does. cut it um but yeah that's what it that's what i'm hearing you describe i am okay with that verbiage i think it's not entirely incorrect and I just remembered this is not exactly where we're leaving things no, off. I was just going to say. Because I wanted to finish with a poem that I, I wrote. I was promised a poem. You were promised a poem. And this was one that I wrote yesterday, so it will probably... So yes, this might not be its final form, but I think it's pretty close to it. It's called, I Do Not Grieve Alone. I grieve with my friend and my enemy. I grieve with my father, my brother, my mother. I grieve with cousins and ancestors and the stranger down the street. I grieve with the disappeared children of this land. I grieve with the missing and the murdered. I grieve with the cougars and the monarchs and the trees. I grieve with the bodies of water. I don't know their pain, and they don't know mine, and still we grieve together. Yea, still in our bones we remember. Why we perform the rituals, who will bathe the bodies, or chant the sacred hymns, or bring the food, or hold the space, or sit with the souls of the dead, or guide the souls of the living or know when it's time to cut the cord and say our unfinal goodbyes only I can heal my heart for I do not heal alone all the world heals with me our unfinal goodbyes I thought that was clever. It's very good. <laughs> it's really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, everyone. If you're going through it right now, my heart is really with you. And even if you're not going through it right now, my heart is really with you. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. Okay. Um, we'll... S- Talk to you all the next dark moon. We will. Okay. Be well, everyone.